fire. Somehow, I will never get that intro right. Hello, everyone. It's Peter Dunn, host of the Pete the Planner Show. So at the very beginning of this intro, there's this beep that I always miss. And you got to like, there it is. And I always miss it because, hello, welcome back to the program. Special Thursday live stream as our offices are closed for Juneteenth tomorrow. Since it's a Saturday, we're uh, recognizing it and uh, celebrating it and commemorating it tomorrow here at the Pete the Planner World Headquarters. Joining me as always is Damian Don. Hello, Dame. Hi, Pete. Uh, Danza is shocked uh, that it is a show happening on a Thursday, not the Friday. Sorry, Danza. Closed. Federal holiday. Uh, coming soon tomorrow. Uh, Dame, um, show today, we've got a great email question, one that you and I really like. Uh, oh, we let's do a mic test for you because last week was a little low. I had to do a lot of editing and post. Makes a, I mean, not a happy. Uh, say some things and, and let people, people in the comments, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, let us know if Dame's levels are close to mine. It, Go ahead, Dame. It's important that you let us know soon so I don't have to keep talking. Dan's, I know that you're here, at least unless you've left already thinking it's Thursday and you've got other things to do and it's not Friday. Oh, sounds good. Let's roll. All right, Jeremiah, thank That's you. That's all we need. All right. That's all we needed. That's all we needed. Whew. All right, Dame, ready to start the show? Yes. Oh, I'm not. Um, okay. Uh, da, da, da. Oh, uh, Dustin says it sounds good. And Debbie says you sound good too. Appreciate it, everybody. Thanks. Like everybody. All right, in three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here how is how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. Damian Dunn joins me as always. Dame, I wish I would have cleared my throat before I started the segment. Now I've got that little tickle that I will either wait for the next nine minutes and 20 seconds or I'll hit mute. How are you, Dame? It's going to be fun to watch you struggle with that for the next nine minutes. Oh, boy. Good times. Dame, uh, here is the first question of the day. It comes to us from, I don't know the name on it. Okay. Well, anyway, this person emailed us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. Interested in your thoughts on when to start buying long-term care insurance. My financial planner has encouraged me and my husband to buy long-term care insurance. I just turned 51 and he is 48. Going for that younger man. Oh, yeah. The price went up significantly when I turned 50. We are both pretty healthy, but my husband is a tall guy. Regular back and knee issues. Tall man disease, he likes to joke. For me to care for him if his health significantly declined would be no joke. I would need help and I don't want to blow my entire retirement savings on care. This is not a small investment. For both of us, the cost is about $10,000 American dollars per year. This includes an inflation protection of 3% per year and benefit of $7,500 a year and $380,000 max lifetime benefit. Uh, the quality and cost of long-term care facilities is a great concern to me, but my husband thinks it is too soon to start buying this insurance. I know it's a gamble, but in terms of risk versus price, not sure where the best age is to buy it. I completely trust my financial advisors, but they are in the business of selling this. Not sure what to do. $10,000 per year is a lot. What do you think? Dame, I just will note there was an error in this. There has to be an error in this yep. because uh, she, uh, I believe it's she, could be he. I don't know. This person notes that this 3% per year and the benefit of $7,500 a year. 
my gut tells me it's either $7,500 a month or $75,000 a year uh, are the guesses there. I mean, it could, it could be either. I would go with uh, 7,500 a month because that equates out to 250 a day, which if you look for uh, what an average private room is going to cost at, at most good facilities, that gets you in the ballpark depending on what part of the country you live in. So I'm guessing it meant to be $7,500 a month. And that, uh, that might be a little surprising to some people listening that uh, it's actually that expensive and it can actually get a lot more. Let's rewind. Dame, give people the Dame Notes version of what in the world is long-term care insurance. Long-term care. Uh, if something happens to you where you or, or a loved one, uh, that they cannot take care of themselves or there's a period of uh, rehab that has to happen, this sort of insurance will cover those expenses uh, depending on how you, you purchase it and set it up uh, for uh, an extended period of time. And the hope is, is that it allows you to keep all of the other hard-earned assets that you've set aside uh, going to those purposes. So if you've got a nice uh, nice retirement account set aside and then something tragic happens or unfortunate happens that you have to um, go into a facility for a little while or maybe an extended period, you're not going to end up spending every penny that, that you have on long-term uh, care at that point. This insurance is meant to mitigate those expenses for you and your family. Some people call it nursing home insurance. People call it assisted living insurance. Mm -hmm. uh, I will note when you talk about, well, something goes wrong, it doesn't necessarily matter what happens, what goes wrong physically. It's that you can't complete a series of what are called ADLs, activities of daily living, uh, such as bathing yourself, feeding yourself, clothing yourself, transferring mm -hmm. yourself, uh, yep. things like that. Yeah, transferring, getting out of bed and into uh, a wheelchair or out of bed, period, uh, any, anything like that. All right, so let's get to the question. There's a couple of quick, uh, other quick elements here that are worth visiting. This person, this emailer, is suggesting uh, or, or talking about a very traditional long-term care policy where uh, you it's not asset-based long-term care, right? There, there are two types. There's, mm -hmm. I guess, what we're calling traditional long-term care insurance, which has a monthly or annual premium, you pay into it, and then you use it if you need it, blah, 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 blah. But there's no cash back or anything like that. Then there is the newfangled uh, asset-based long-term care, which, which is sort of a hybrid. It can act as life insurance. It can act as an annuity product. It can act as an investment vehicle, and it can act as long-term care insurance as well, and so a financial advisor should know the differences between the two and which is right for you. Uh, and so I guess we'll start here, Dame. Do you think 50 years old is an appropriate age to begin to look at long-term care coverage? I think it's probably a smidge early. I think you're okay waiting another, uh, another decade, probably around age 60 for both of you. Uh, it's kind of a sweet spot for, for this purchase, especially if you're going with the traditional long-term care. If you're going to look at asset-based, um, there are other factors to, to take into consideration there just because of how it's structured and, and what it actually means. Uh, but I, I don't want to downplay uh, the fact that long-term care insurance could be very beneficial for uh, especially certain folks in, in their 50s or maybe even younger. I mean, if there was a, a car accident that, that required somebody to be in a, a facility for a longer period of time, Fantastic use uh, for, for long-term care uh, at that point as well. So 
it's one of those things that you buy and hope you never ever you have to use uh, but typically around 60 uh, 60 to 65 actually is what some of the, the the most recent studies are showing yeah i definitely don't disagree with you however i will note that long-term care insurance is medically underwritten meaning they try to understand what your family history is, what your back and knee complications maybe maybe are, things that could affect your ability to transfer and, and be mobile. Uh, and so if this person is naturally predisposed to have back and knee issues because, well, they're a tall, it could be argued that you could uh, recommend it now because if those issues become worse and, and you, know, you start to get into knee replacement and and back surgeries and those sorts of things, then the cost goes significantly up because you're a bigger risk to those companies. I'll also note at one period of time, and I'm not super up on long-term care insurance anymore in terms of the trends other than asset-based long-term care. There was a short period of time in which you could have a 10-year paid up policy that you essentially could take a decade of making the premium payments and then you'd be done making premium payments and it would last you forever. So, uh, Dame, it's sort of a la whole life insurance, permanent life insurance, how you can have paid up coverage. Uh, I like that idea of just taking 10 years to own it during your working years, because theoretically your income is higher during that last decade of your, your work career. So I don't know. I'm a little on the fence for these folks because that, that tall guy situation, that's, that's a really good piece of info they shared with us. I also don't think that the advisor is doing anything wrong whatsoever. An advisor is meant to poke holes in your situation. And Dame, if they're trying to get someone to buy something the cheapest it will ever be, that's a good recommendation, no? Typically, I mean, if you are working with an advisor who holds themselves out as a fiduciary, then that should give you a, a great deal of confidence, especially when it comes to making recommendations like this. They're doing it for your best interest and take it or leave it, whether or not you actually make the purchase, but they're making you aware of a very real risk that some people are going to face. So um, be happy that, that this came up with your advisor and uh, make the purchase on its merits uh, for your situation. I, I would also discuss with your advisor asset-based long-term care. Absolutely. I, I mean, because that could, I don't, of course, email or I don't know their financial situation, but depending on a few factors, that could be a better way to go, especially if you're younger, you can continue to grow your money. You can use it for different purposes, not just long-term care. Cause maybe, maybe you get lucky and you're not someone that ends up in a long-term care facility uh, that needs to pay for it. So Dame, let's do this coming up after the break. I have a giant mea culpa. I've been saying one thing for over a decade today. I'm going to take the other side. All that is next right here on the Pete, the planner show. I'm, Pete the Planner. I'll be honest, that was an incredible tease. An incredible tease. I know I'll hang on through the break to see what you say. Oh my gosh. Wow, that was good. Um, you know, when I was a financial advisor back in the day, which I guess theoretically that period of time ended in 2012 for point of reference, I used to sell long-term care insurance as part mm -hmm. of a financial plan. Did you ever get involved with that? Uh, tangentially. I don't think I ever mm, might've, uh, yes, but we, we presented long-term care for sure. I can't say that word. Tangentially. Yeah. I, I I'm not even going to try. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, R U R A L. I cannot say that word either. Oral. <laughs> no. Oral. 
R-U-R-A-L. Are you rural? Yeah, I can say right. oral. I just well, choose not to. As, I thought it was, I don't know. Nobody I can't knows. say either of those words. I used to not be able to say Massachusetts, but I can say that now. Really? So I really I, say it as much as I can. Just to, I have yeah. way too many problems with Arnold Palmer. Oh, really? Arnold Palmer? That's yeah. pretty easy. I don't know why, but I, my tongue starts to get tied up every time I say it. I recorded a new commercial for Indiana's 529 plan today, and there was a part of the read. I want to pull it up here. I'm going to read it. <laughs> Free commercial, Indiana 529 <laughs> I did my read for you this morning, but there was a phrase in here and I was like, I can't say it. It's at the end. It says, for more information, go to collegechoicedirect.com slash plans. Read the disclosure booklet carefully before investing. So did you see, so. The disclosure, disclosure, I, disclosure yeah. booklet yeah. carefully. Okay, so for more information, go to collegechoicedirect.com slash plans. Read the disclosure booklet carefully before investing. <laughs> it hurts. It's so hard yeah. okay no one cares um are you ready for for this whole bit of wizardry yeah I, i'm i'm waiting to hear the apology <clears throat> three two one back on the pete the planner show you know dame have you ever known me to be wrong no no well it turns out every once in a while i'm I'm wrong. I'll say something that I think is right, that I have a hot take on, and then time passes, I gain a little perspective, and then I have to go, yeah, I was wrong about that. Today's one of those days. Oh? Dame, I was very, very critical of the youth travel sports industry, industry, <laughs> industrial <laughs> complex um, within the last decade. Mm -hmm. some people really rallied around my message of it can be a giant waste of money. Others, including particular family members of mine who happen to run travel sports empires, uh, were like, are you really thinking this through? And I was like, of course I'm thinking this through. I'm a financial genius. Dame, today I want to make the argument why youth travel sports is not a giant waste of money, but it's actually a reasonable thing to do. Oh, boy. <laughs> there's there's gonna be some rules though so we're gonna make our way through it first uh you know a, a disclosure dame i i played youth travel sports same i played aau basketball which I, I i don't even know how much it cost to play but i don't think it was that much i mean i mean it, it may have been a hundred bucks it, it wasn't a lot and we didn't travel that much we didn't really even travel out of state because the nationals were in indianapolis and that's when we won them um did you do anything other than travel? What do you do? Basketball and baseball. Okay. N no major costs? Um, I mean, we had reversible jerseys for basketball. I mean, how, how expensive could that have been? Did I ever tell you the name of my basketball team? for? Oh, you know this, right? I had to have told so the, you. That. The Pistols? Close. The Gunslingers. Gunslingers. So we were uh, an inner city basketball team called the Gunslingers. And... Um, you know, probably wouldn't, you know how the Washington Bullets are now the Washington Wizards? Yeah. The Gunslingers probably would not be the name of our team moving forward. No, I, I don't see how that would fit uh, in, in today's environment. However, I do have a really slick satin starter jack that says Gunslingers on the back. You still have that? I have it. It's at my house right now. Why is it not hanging on the wall behind you for this story? That's a really good question. All right, so Dame, here's the thing. I made the argument years ago that 
too many parents, how anecdotal is that? Too many parents bet on youth travel sports as a means to get their kids a free college education. And, and while that's arguably true anecdotally, I'm not so sure now that my life is in the throes of youth travel sports, that that's the motivation for a vast majority of the families involved. Interesting. Uh, I, my family is still, uh, traveling around, uh, chasing our kids and, and hauling them everywhere. Um, I have to agree with you, especially for the sports that my kids participate in, because I, I don't think there are tons and tons of scholarships that are handed out for that particular sport. So, uh, I think, Folks are doing it for uh, the right reasons, air, air quote, right reasons. Yeah, I mean, there's some other elements to here too, and I, I made reference to it, and I don't want to disclose too much, but but I have a family member who, who arguably is one of the greatest amateur coaches or coaches of an amateur sports program ever, mm-hmm. like ever. If you know, then you know and you agree. If you don't know, you're like, that can't be true. Trust me. It's true. It's true. And he was partially responsible for millions of dollars worth of scholarships for kids. Millions of dollars at some of the best schools in the country. So that's, that's, that's a thing. However, I would also argue in the last 10 years what has happened with youth travel, youth travel sports is there was a crossover point from when you and I were into it. And then it became a means to get exposure. Mm-hmm. And I feel like now there's a new form of that, which is just an activity people do with no expectations that their kids are going to get exposure to anything other than they learn to play on a team, they learn to win, they learn to lose, they learn to deal with people they don't like, whatever. They learn to, to deal with adversity, which which is sort of the life uh, our family has chosen to, to live with as it relates to youth travel sports. So I think... If you can afford it, which is the biggest disclaimer in the history of disclaimers, (laughs) it's a reasonable thing to do. I used to measure it, Dan. I used to say, well, people who couldn't afford it do it in lieu of saving for college. And I think that's a mistake. And I I still would argue that that's somewhat true, but I just don't know where the line is. Now, are you telling me that you don't think that your kids can learn how to win, lose, compete on a local level? No, I actually, I don't. Huh. I used to think that. I don't think that now. Interesting. So what's, why are travel sports such a uh, better ground for those lessons than just uh, local leagues? All right. So let's say your kid's pretty decent. Sure. Okay. They're going to do really well in a, a local rec program. Sure. Right, they're going to do really well. They'll win a little. I mean, they'll win. They'll lose. They'll they'll score or whatever. Right. I don't think it's until you get your head stomped in, <laughs> until you really learn what it is to get better. I think it's hard to take a really low ceiling that is rec sports if this is the sort of the sort of parenting you're going with and saying you need to get better because it's easy for a kid to go, well, I'm already the best in the league or I'm already one of the best in the league, and then you take them into an experience where they just are devastated well i like that so we're talking about uh subjecting kids to potentially crushing their dreams in hopes that they get a better resolve mentally uh for future uh, endeavors yes. in life right yes okay yeah you know it's funny my kids are very different from each other 
uh, one constantly just he he's like I, I got to train. Like he'll talk about training. Like he he's like I got to get better. I got to get better. Like and the other one is like I'm I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. And she's fine, right? She's good. But I, I just I just love the dynamics of youth travel sports is to 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 treat to to teach you about sort of ambition and and life and 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 hard lessons and disappointment and and fairness and more importantly the lack thereof. I also haven't learned that youth travel parents, youth travel sports parents, uh, are a pretty large manifestation of who that person is in general of how, how they interact with. Uh, other fans and other kids and their own kids and coaches. I, I find that to be interesting too. I would like to disagree with you on so many points. Unfortunately, okay. I, I don't think I can. Um, my family just experienced this in the last 12 months. Uh, we were involved in a travel-ish uh, league. Wait, where do we... you actually disagree or you just want to disagree, but you can't? I really want to, but I agree that if if you're child is uh, uh towards the top of the the pack uh, locally that they're not going to get the same lessons out of athletics that uh that they otherwise could and in the case in point my family uh, went from our kids being at the top the very top in, in some instances to being very solidly middle of the pack in this yes. other league that we went to and now you get to see how do they handle that do, right. do they do they decide they want to keep getting better or are they like you know what I've got half a dozen things I'd rather be doing and channel their energy and their their emotions in, in some other way. So uh, I like challenging my kids. And I, if nothing else, that's what travel sports can be. It can be a way to uh, refine their uh, competitiveness and a, as well as resilience to struggles and how do they handle them. Yeah, I almost feel like we go two segments with this, but we've got other things to do here. Uh, I'll just say this. My dad was always a proponent of making sure that I was the worst player on the team <laughs> because <laughs> it gave you a path forward. Uh, sometimes it was easier than others. All right, Dame, coming up after the break, more of the Pete the Planner Show. We're coming back with, uh, oh, public service student loan forgiveness. That's next. I'm Pete the Planner. Uh, Jeremiah notes, many options for competition could be school sports, 4-H or travel sports, doesn't have to break the bank, balance is the key. I agree. And the other element to this too is we're talking sports, but it very well could be travel dance. It could be mm -hmm. travel uh, painting. <laughs> Spelunking. I, I don't know. I do. I do find competition though, to be the primary element here. Like Absolutely. Like getting better, losing, winning, you know, gracefully, those sorts of things. Sure. Seeing uh, how hard work pays off. If you've been working on one specific thing, uh, having it actually all come together in the heat of competition is incredibly gratifying. Yeah. I was like uh, with my kids' sports teams at the beginning of the season, just seeing like the kid who improved the most through the year. Not, not, not my kids, whether they did or not. I don't know. I'm saying like other kids on the team who maybe struggled at the very beginning, but they just got so much better. I always enjoy that. You know, do you think there are big competitions for like, uh, spelling bees that you travel to? Not like the obvious, like the scripts national yeah. spelling bee, but, uh, you know, you, do they have, uh, 
other ones that, that you would travel to uh, like around the country for for different things like i'm the utah state champ at, at, at spelling bee but i'm actually from nebraska i i don't I know barely spell utah bill notes in my day travel baseball was getting on your bike with your glove hanging on the handlebars and pedaling over to another neighbor but totally true and i used to have like one of the hot takes that i think i wrote in usa today a few years ago was um and and, and it's so apropos now that i have a 12 year old Instead of driving a mile to the local fields, which are local fields are a mile from my house, you drive across several states, driving by several other 12-year-olds to play a specific group of 12-year-olds. And, and while I still think that's somewhat funny or on the nose or whatever, it, it is true. Uh, not, not that we do that. We don't travel different states, but you do travel around a state to, to play a level of competition that I think has deeper lessons than than what you can get in the local field. Part of me still pines very much for exactly what Bill's talking about here. I, I used to listen to my dad talk about Sandlot baseball and the movie The Sandlot uh, specifically where you'd have different neighborhoods of kids show up to play other neighborhoods of kids. And man, I, baseball was my thing. I, I loved baseball, still do. And uh, it, part of me wishes it were all still that simple. But with you know flagging participation uh, in in many sports from from different uh, different demographics, you may have to travel a little bit, unfortunately, to to be able to get some some competition. So, unfortunately, I think this is just a a symptom of where we're at. Dame, you ready for the next segment? Yes. Three, two. Back on the Pete the Planner show, Dame. Earlier this week, one of the best things that's happened to me in a very long time happened. Oh. The Queen of the Desert made her way a pilgrimage here to the Pizza Planner World Headquarters in central Indiana. So we got to see Kristen from our team, from your team, I should say, uh, was in the office. All three of us got to hang out and chat, and she blew my mind on a topic that we're talking about here next. So let's uh, let's continue another few seconds of praise. She's she's remarkable, especially on this topic. I really appreciate that you, A, recognize that, and B didn't have her on to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, I was like, boy, is there anything more masculine than talking about how much a woman knows about something and then not having her on to talk about it? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I am the king of good judgment. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dame, <laughs> what, what am I doing? Well, how ridiculous. I just, just, that's real dumb, isn't it? Well, we're a minute into it now, so let's keep going. Oh man. Oh, okay. We, well, actually we don't need to go as deep as she goes on this to understand what, what is going on. Cause it's a really complicated topic. There is a program called public service loan forgiveness. P S L F. It gets student loans forgiven in numerous circumstances for people who work, uh, for the government or for whether it be state, local, or federal, for not-for-profit schools or hospitals or not-for-profit charitable organizations, any 501c3, even churches now, starting July 1st, if things go the way we think they'll go. So, Dame, this is to say the hot talk in this world is all about student loan forgiveness. Even so, this week, as $500 million of student loans were forgiven uh, through the ITT Technical Institute, mm -hmm. for-profit school scandal, whatever. But Dame, 
there is a giant program that people misuse, or I should say misapply for, that's a brilliant program if you know what you're doing and more people should take advantage of it. Absolutely. PSLF is a huge opportunity for folks in what are oftentimes not very high paying professions to have a path to have their loans forgiven within, uh, I'll say 10 years, but 120 payments for uh, their service to the community. And what we found is typically that people are confused on, on how to go about doing that, making sure they are up to date on qualifying for it. Uh, we suggest doing that on an annual basis. And if you play your, your cards right, or actually just do what you're supposed to do, then 120 payments later, you can have a potentially very large chunk of money forgiven. And you, uh, you get on with your life and reallocate that money to some other very needy, deserving part of your finances. And rainbows appear and unicorns fly over them. And it's a great thing. It's not an insignificant amount. Oftentimes it is thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars that can be forgiven. There are a few levers to this that I just wanted to cover today in the hopes that someone listening wins. <laughs> someone listening says, you know what, I'm going to go for this. So, so here are the primary elements that, that we need to talk about. Number one, again, you have to work in public service, which, which you, can, you can say it a lot of different ways. You have to work for a not-for-profit, a 501c3, a governmental agency, things like firemen and uh, policemen and uh, hospital workers at, at not-for-profit hospitals and teachers and anyone who works for a school system, all these sorts of things. Dane, what is there, am I missing another major group here? No, it's what you want to keep in mind is it's not about the profession. It's about who you work for. So uh, as, as the queen likes to say, the, the janitor and the teacher that work at the same school have the ability to have their loans forgiven. So keep that in mind. Don't think that it may be because you, you don't work in a, a, a certain field. That's not it. Don't pay attention to that. Pay attention about who you are working for. That'll tell you. And you must work full time. That's full, an important aspect of this. Yeah, full time. Uh, in, it's at least 30 hours or whatever your uh, employer designates as full time. So that can be a little tricky, but that can be, be straightened out pretty quickly with HR. And the type of payment plan you're on matters to actually I'll back up one. Generally speaking, these are going to be public loans, federal loans, as opposed to private loans with banks. So Dame, what we're talking about getting forgiven are our federal student loans in most cases. Yeah, direct federal loans in this case. So there are a couple of federal loans that are still out there that, that don't qualify unless they've been consolidated into a direct federal loan. So uh, that's important. Uh, if you have a private loan, sorry, those don't qualify. If you have a very specific type of federal loan, that, that's not going to qualify either. But a vast majority of loans that your students are probably starting out with or that you may still have, they very well might qualify. The type of payment repayment plan you're currently on also matters. Now, if you're on like a standard 10-year repayment plan, um, well, I've got some weird news for you. Number one, 10 years is 120 months, 120 payments, and your balance will be will be zero. So, right? so it doesn't count. But what a lot of uh, people who uh, are in these sorts of professions where they, they go towards something like IBR, an income-based repayment that oddly enough, doesn't necessarily have a loan paid off in a particular period of time. It's, it's just really set to, hey, we know you're not making 
that much, air quotes, pays a little bit. And if you do that for 120 months, Dame, some people still have huge balances after those 120 months are up. And if they play their cards right and take advantage of this program, that is what goes away. Absolutely. This is a very important concept to uh, make sure that you understand it. You have to be on the right payment plan. And if you are and you make those 120 payments, which don't have to be consecutive, by the way. So if you miss one month payment or you're late on one, that doesn't blow the whole program up. It just doesn't count towards your 120 payments. So um, get those payments in uh, and, and you're well on your way under the correct payment plan. So here's where it goes wrong. First off, there is a lot of uh, sort of cultural sensitivity about this, that these are bad and that they uh, are, it's a scam or it's, it's not a scam. Like many things, people just do it wrong. And so the success rate for this program as of right now is still really low, but that that's not indicative of the health of the program. It's oftentimes people who do qualify it's just human error. They, they fill out things wrong. There are rejections for good reasons, for bad reasons. So, Dame, it requires a person to fill out their portion of the paperwork correctly. And this is where it also goes wrong. It requires their employer or past employer to fill out paperwork correctly. And it goes wrong there a lot of times. Yeah, and this is why we suggest doing this on an annual basis. That way you know where you stand at any one given point in time. Um, Fill it out uh, uh, as needed, and you know, call us, call, uh, set up a, an appointment with. I don't want to feel like I'm I'm selling us, but I, I guess I, I technically am. Call Hey Money, and and we'll make sure that you understand what's going on. But uh, you get your side filled out, which is pretty darn straightforward. Take it to the employer, let them get their side filled out, which once they've done one, it'll be very very similar for everybody else and submit that thing. And as long as you've got the right boxes checked, they'll tell you, yep, you're well on your way, or yep, you've qualified. Uh, and, and you know exactly where you're at. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. In fact, if this is something, if you're in public service and, you're, and you want help, go to callheymoney.com. Um, sign up and some of our team will, will walk you through it. Uh, one other note before we go to the break. Dame, the other weird part of this program, great part of this program, is if you have Parent PLUS loans, you know, on your student, but you're the payer, with one little tweak, you can also qualify for public service loan forgiveness if you, the payer, the parent, also work uh, for a, a service organization, if you will. Yep, goes back to the type of loan you've got and to make sure that you are uh, complying with the, the standards of the program. So you make this one little change, and all of a sudden, your employment based with your employer can qualify you to have your students' loans forgiven. I was watching Kristen sort of give us the lowdown on this this week, the queen of the desert and uh, now the queen of the Midwest for now. Uh, and I just kept thinking, I don't know anything as well as she knows this. And it's arguably not the thing that she knows best. How's that even possible? But she, she wasn't here today because we mansplained it. All right, Dame, coming up after the break, Boam and the news. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. How do we have a segment about this and didn't even invite her on? I mean, that, that is embarrassing. She's even in the same time zone right now. It would have been super easy to make this happen. You think she's watching right now? Yeah. Uh, Kristen, if you're watching right now, slack one of us and call us a dummy. I mean, if you do, you, me, probably. No, no, no. Yeah, slack, slack Pete and call yeah. him the dummy. Yeah, don't call him the dummy. Oh, uh, you can't. He is a dummy. All right, so Dame... 
I wish more people took advantage of that program. I really do. Yeah, it's uh, it can be daunting uh, a little bit or, or just intimidating, I guess I should say, because once you've done one of those forms and done it correctly, it becomes way less intimidating. And you, you're able to get those things taken care of, get it to HR. Once they've done a couple of them, they know exactly what's going on. And it becomes a really, really quick process. And that's that's it. I mean, you, you know where you're at. You do that, as we suggest, on a 12-month 12, uh, 12 basis. And before you know it, you are staring loan forgiveness square in the face, ready to move on with your life. You ready for the next segment? Hang on. Let me get my news stories up so you don't have to surprise me this time. Oh, yes, because I surprised you because every fourth segment we do something different. I never know how long you're going to ramble, Pete. That's fair. That's fair. Are you? Yeah, you I'm ready. ready? Yeah. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is Slate Chocolate Milk. Chocolate Milk Built Better. That's Slate with 20 grams of quality protein and zero grams of added sugar. This is all-natural, keto-friendly, lactose-free, and is the perfect breakfast boost, post-workout, or healthy snack to keep you moving throughout the day. Sourced from 30 family-owned farms, this modern upgrade on chocolate milk is available in chocolate, dark chocolate, and espresso chocolate, which has 150 milligrams of caffeine. Uh, Slate comes in 100% recyclable aluminum cans, or as the British would say, aluminum cans that can be stored in your cabinet for months. But for the best, most refreshing taste, chug it cold. Dame, you can get yourself a tall can of Slate chocolate milk lactose-free, mind you, for, well, they're $3 a can, and you're thinking, well, Pete, why is this a waste of money? This actually seems like a pretty reasonable thing. And I would argue, if you look in the fridge here at the Pete the Planner World headquarters, there is a protein shake, albeit with 30 grams of protein, that is chocolate and Java flavored, uh, that is also around three bucks. But I think fancy chocolate milk just seems, it just seems wasteful. I mean, grab the, grab the, uh, the Nestle or what, what's the Hershey's syrup and put That's, it in the milk and be quiet. Yeah. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with regular chocolate milk. I mean, right. I, wasn't there a study or may, many, maybe many studies that showed that chocolate milk is a great recovery drink after an athletic event because it's got uh, a nice little mix of protein and, and sugars and whatnot to, to get you back up and, and going. Occasionally, a marathoner, Mrs. Planner will pull out the chocolate milk very, very rarely if she's training for a marathon or something. But I'm, yeah, not everything has to be fancified. No. Like, you know, for a while, you'd hear those commercials for like really nice socks, like Bombas. And you'd think, well, mm. you know, why mess with socks? And then you put on a pair of Bombas and you're like, that's why they mess with socks. Yeah. Because my feet felt hugged. Yeah. Uh, ch I, don't, I don't need designer chocolate milk. I mean, I, Hershey's syrup is as iconic as anything in this country. Uh, and, and just uh, put it into regular milk and you... What, it cost you 50 cents? Here's the thing. That's not even chocolate milk. It's it's dairy-free. It's not chocolate milk. It's chocolate something. It's lactose-free. It's still dairy. Oh. Uh, by the way, Danza may have just earned her spot as listener of the year once again. Krav Maga with a chocolate milk chaser. Oh, my gosh. Dane, what's in the news this week? Well, we've got some breaking news, Pete, that uh, was going to be a surprise for you. A middle-aged man in the Midwest opened a Robinhood account and bought some crypto. Do you want to guess who that middle-aged man is? 
You? Yeah. I finally you did. did I finally did it, Pete. I opened a Robinhood account and bought some crypto. Is it April Fool's Day? No, I did. I don't know why, but I figured we Yeah. This is a joke. No, I did. No, you didn't. I I will send you a screenshot of my account with my incredibly small amount of crypto to, to prove it. Christmas. I hope your employment review is coming up soon. Why, so I can brag about the, the great returns I'm getting on all of my crypto. Oh, was this just you to tell me that you did this or is this part of a news story? That you no, this is just so I, I could uh, update you because uh, I think I teased that I was going to do that like three months ago and I never did. Yeah. And uh, I, I finally got around to it because I, like I said, I, we've bagged on Robinhood quite a bit. I finally felt compelled to get an account to test the experience for myself and see if there was anything to this uh, craze of using Robinhood. There shouldn't be. Uh, and just give it a try. And then I figured, why not compound that lunacy by buying crypto at, right now? Now I'm going to so. feel responsible for paying for your kid's college education here soon. Okay. I'm all right. I'll buy more crypto if that means you're going to take on more of the burden for that. Uh, what's, what's actually in the real news this week? Retail sa- sales fell 1.3% in May, which may not seem that important or interesting until you consider how it reflects major changes in the post-COVID economy. Is this a bad sign? Not really. Uh, people are paying less for things like sweatpants uh, and more for experiences like things that you shouldn't do in sweatpants. This is the opposite of what happened during the pandemic where people could really only buy sweatpants. Uh, To illustrate the point, restaurant sales have eclipsed grocery sales for the first time since March of last year. So retail sales down, but not a big deal, Pete. You know, I did see, I sent it to you this week that we talked recently about how lumber prices were skyrocketing. Turns out they turned on their heel and went the other way and they are falling very, very quickly, which is a good thing. If Reddit convinced you to invest in lumber last month, we have some bad news. Lumber Futures posted their biggest weekly drop ever last week and continued to decline this week. Now at less than $1,000 per thousand board feet, prices are down almost 41% since May's record high. I love when a segment comes together. Like I, I did not expect you to just say what you just said. It's funny. Reddit sometimes doesn't know what it's doing. Oh, we're not talking about that. I read it. I we're talking. Maybe we could talk about that. But well, man. isn't it interesting that you know y- y- prices are f- we're flying up, flying up. Well, I better buy this fence now because it's only going to get more expensive. I better buy this house now because it's only going to get more expensive. A-, a market will find its level. You know, water finds its level. Markets find its level, and and that's how it works. But in the midst of it, it never feels like that, does it? It never feels like it's going to come back down. But what was the decrease in lumber from, from the peak? 41%. That seems like a lot of percents. Yeah, I was driving to an appointment this morning and uh, some poor gentleman was stopped along the edge of the highway because there had been a number of two-by-fours that came out of the back of his truck just scattered all across the highway. And I thought, man, that's a retirement fund that's just laying there. But then I remembered this story and I thought, eh, it's just a vacation now at this point. Can I ask you a personal question? Sure. Do you have just spare wood somewhere at your house? Just like, um, I've got some lumber. It's, there's our lumber. I've got some scraps of, of stuff that I, that were big enough and straight enough that I didn't really just want to burn. Uh, and so I've, I've got some, some stuff sitting around. I've got like some very little lumber. And I just feel like sometimes I want to 
you know, I'm always trying to be a little bit more manly. I feel like if I had just like a little lumber pile in my house that, or like in my garage, it'd be like a good thing to do. I, I think you'd probably have to get a real hammer to use with it too, not your, your wife's little pink handled hammer. Wow. She's going to be mad at you. She can use it all she wants. Lord. Anything else in the news? The average age of a vehicle operating in the United States has risen to 12.1 years, Pete. Let's go. Over the past year, the average rose from 11.9, and in 2019, research showed the average age was 11.8. Two decades ago, the average age of U.S. cars on the road was just, Pete, guessing game? Six. 9.6 years. So up until June of 2019, we had a 2004 and a 2008. Now we have a 2008 and a 2019. Uh, weigh in. Where are you at? Uh, 2014 and a 2016, but the 16 recently replaced a 2008. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I will say um, there are so many. Oh, my gosh. What am I doing? What? <laughs> <laughs> what am i about to say there are so many new safety features out there that it's almost worth it to get rid of like a 2003 and make sure that you don't run over anybody or back into anybody you've got side airbags you've got curtains that come down and protect your eyelashes all sorts of things am i right sure yeah i got real awkward yeah. Oh, we got an email this week, and I'm going to try to hit it next week. I wanted to dig into it. I just didn't have time this week. Did I send it to you about the woman that thinks she was listening uh, in one of our affiliates in, in Indiana? She thinks her husband was like taking advantage of her, like with an actual like Nigerian scam before he passed away. It was like a sad situation. I want to look into it. We're going to do. I'm being serious, and we're we're gonna we're gonna take a look at it next week. Um, it's weird. I mean, we people have a joke about oh, a Nigerian prince emailed me. That there were real victims to these things, right? And so uh, I'm going to try to dig into it a little bit this week and find out more. And uh, we will talk about <laughs> fraud next week. And especially with all of the hacking and um, ransomware and things going on uh, in our world right now, we will take a, a financial look at that. Dame, thanks for being on the show this week. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me again. Sorry, Kristen. So... All right, everybody else, I'm seeing good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. And this was the show. I have a story about a Nigerian scam. If, if the folks would like to hear it, yes, they would. Uh, go ahead. Do you have a moment? <laughs> I've got all the time in the world for you, buddy. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll make it short. Uh, when oh, I, I forgot to say stay getting, oh, I say stay getting money at the end. Okay, I'm sorry. I got distracted. Go right ahead. When uh, uh, I got into the industry, I was working for uh, a uh, older gentleman. Uh, sorry, I just had you in my mind doing the voice, uh, the the older gentleman voice, and that's nothing like that. Who's the older? What's the older gentleman voice? Uh, like my old guy voice? Yeah. Why would I do that? It's insulting. As soon as I said an old guy, that was the voice. I, I remember. When no, 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 no. The the one with the the high the high pitch with a little. No, ah, don't worry about it. Anyway, uh, he got one of those emails, Nigerian scam emails. Uh. And he followed up on it because he wasn't sure. He thought he thought it was legit. He just thought it was his good fortune that somebody contacted him out of the blue, that there was somebody that had millions of dollars overseas. Uh, it turned out the guy that sent it to him was local to us. Really? Yeah, like legit local. Like they met. 
and talked face to face. Was there fisticuffs? No, no, no. And he could have. He uh, he had a cup of coffee in the NFL uh, when he was younger. Played for uh, a couple different, very well known teams. Um, and so he finally told me about this. Like, you know, I've, I've got to get my passport renewed because I'm going to have to go overseas. And da, 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 da. I said, hold on, we're we're going to check into this a little bit. And, and so I, I got him squared away. And he was a very embarrassed, b very upset to the point that he called the uh, local FBI office and had them meet this guy at the next meeting. And uh, the guy was allowed to stand up and leave, but they made, they made him aware that they knew who he was and everything that he was doing. But at least you didn't tell thousands of people this story on a podcast slash radio show. Nobody knows who I worked for. Oh, good point. Couldn't they go to LinkedIn? No, cause it's not on there. Oh, okay. Um, Speaking of Nigerians, did you happen to watch the U.S. Women's National Team play Nigeria last night in a friendly? I did not. Nigeria played well. <laughs> I used that Nigeria, and that's what it made me think of. I had a recent Nigerian experience. Who won? U.S. 2-0. But it was a good game. Good game. Good. GG. Um, anything else? Um, no? No. I. Yeah. Oddly enough, I'm the manager of a youth travel sports program that I have to do some managerial duties, so I've got to go. I don't know if I realized it was a travel team. You didn't really? I just thought it was a local team. No, rep programs don't have managers. They just <laughs> I don't know what's happened to me. <sighs> what other hot take will I completely change course on? That's a really good question. We should That's a great question. Um what, what do you what do you what did you feel really passionate about a few years ago reese's peanut butter cups well, but it's still there yeah i well I, we can agree on the abomination of the peanut butter peanut butter cups they're the one that's i'm not even butter. gonna try it no i'm not either or that's the so white fun. chocolate ones white chocolate and peanut butter no thank you no no i i do enjoy white chocolate uh chocolate chip cookies those are i think superior to regular chocolate chip cookies mm, i mean yeah. i will be there but we can agree to disagree on that yeah. Uh, all right, so for next week, let's think about what, maybe we'll do a segment on my hottest financial takes of all time and how they've all fallen apart. If you can think of something that you think Pete's going to backtrack on big time, Hit send it. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. All right, Dan, I might have to record some videos or Oz is going to punch me in the face, Krav Maga style. Oh, I want to see that. I, she, uh, she didn't even ask for lessons, but I think she's got natural talent. All right, Dame, thanks for your contribution. Everybody else, thanks for sticking around this long on a special Thursday edition. And remember, stay getting money. <laughs>